What's up, Farmers? Welcome to the Farm Athletic Company podcast. I am your host, Andrea Warner. I am also the co-owner and co-founder of Farm Athletic Company. If you would like more information on us, please visit our website at www.farmathleticco.com. And now, on to today's show. What's up, Farmers? Welcome to this week's edition of the Farm Athletic Company podcast. This week, we're going to talk about all of the fun things that everyone questions so much, like, how do I lose weight? How do I get rid of this stubborn body fat? Why don't I sleep well at night? How come I'm not recovering? I feel like I'm doing all the right things, and I still am not reaching my goals. Well, It's funny how until we become aware of a lot of the things that we are doing in our life, we don't really realize that some of the things that we're doing aren't helping or some of the things we're doing are too much or we're just flat ass ignoring a lot of the important things that we should really be paying attention to that could actually make the really big difference. So here's where I'd like to start. And I don't want to dive too much into middle-aged and hormones and menopause and andropause and all of that because Sherry and I are going to do an episode on that because she can definitely speak more in depth on that topic. However, here's what I'll say. Now that I am 42 years old and as I am aging, I know and I've known for a long time that things change and I've had to accept that. And I believe that the hardest thing for us to do as human beings is to accept our reality, accept our mortality, accept the fact that we are breakable, accept the fact that we are human. You know, we always think about the times in our life when we felt our best, and it usually goes back to somewhere around our hormonal prime between the ages of like 18 and 28. For a lot of women, that goes up even into the early 30s, as far as our our hormonal prime is concerned. And we always look back and be like, man, I wish I could be like I was then. Well, if you look at the human body and the nature of how it ages, every seven years, we pretty much have a whole new body. Our cells change, our bodies change, and we go through basically a totally different change every seven years. Now, if you look at this in terms of decades, every decade, your body experiences something different. So when you turn 20, something felt different than when you turned 10. When you turn 30, something was different than 20. When you turn 40, most people are going to tell you that when they turned 40, everything changed and everything was drastically different. But it's not 40. It actually starts around 35 and it's very gradual. And then at 40, you wake up and you're like, wait a second, that wasn't there. This didn't feel like that. And for those of you that haven't reached 40 yet, you might be saying, yeah, that doesn't happen. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make that not happen. It's just the natural aging process. And really it's not a negative. It's a reality. Yes, Sherry, I'm being a realist for a second. It is a reality. 
but aging doesn't have to be a negative. It can be a beautiful thing. As long as you can accept the fact that your body might not look the same at 40 that it did at 20, or maybe you feel better in your forties than you did in your twenties, which is the case for me because in my twenties, I drank too much. I ate whatever I wanted. I stayed out too late. I had poor sleep management. So in my forties, I feel stronger. I sleep better. I know how to manage my stress better. I have a more positive outlook on life. I know how to handle stress better. So even though I've only been in my forties for just a couple of years, it feels very different than any other stage of my life. And what I want to help people understand is that as you go through this amazing thing we call life that so many people aren't blessed to go through for this long, accepting where you are and accepting how to deal with things and accepting what needs to change, like taking action towards what needs to change in a positive way is what's going to help you succeed later on. I had the unique privilege, many of you know this, of watching my grand, all four of my grandparents age. For me, what was traumatic for me was what I thought was going to take a process of about 10 years to lose them only took one. And when you watch people age, people that you care about deeply, whether it's grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, siblings, whatever, cousins, when you watch people age and you see that the choices they made led to them aging poorly and led to a very low independent lifestyle, it's, it's kind of an eye-opening thing because if you aren't realizing that in your 40s, that could happen to you in your 80s, you're not planning ahead of time. And I know a lot of people are like, well, screw it. I'm in my 80s. Why do I care? Well, I mean, I'm just thinking that for me personally, I really don't want to feel like I can't get out of a chair to go to the bathroom whenever I want when I'm 85. For me, my worst nightmare is being stuck in a bed with a bunch of tubes stuck in me. I would like to do everything in my power for that to not happen. For me, I've always been a person that sees down the road, five years, 10 years, so on and so forth. Um, and sometimes that can be a detriment to, hey, just enjoy the present. And I've worked really hard on that. acknowledging what it took for my grandparents to get to the point that they were at. Um, I had a set of grandparents that decided they were too old to do things and they stopped. And that's what led to the not being able to get up and down out of a chair, so on and so forth. My other grandparents were very active, pushed mowing their grass, had a gym membership. Um, my Paul passed away from Alzheimer's, which I wholeheartedly believe had a lot to do with the fact that he smoked for a long time. Regardless of all of those situations, those are things that if they had known 
in their 30s or 40s, what was coming ahead? Would it have changed how they viewed taking care of themselves? And that's what the attention I want to bring to us today, because so many of us are focused on I don't want to say the wrong things, but we view working out, we view taking care of ourselves. Sometimes people view it as a chore because some people just don't enjoy it. And and fair enough. It doesn't always have to be something that you enjoy. For example, I really don't enjoy running and I never have. So if you see me running willingly on my own down the street, you better start hauling ass because something is wrong. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. When I was on the track team, I ran sprints. Listen, I'll run from here to there as fast as I possibly can, and then I want to be done. I will run in a workout when it calls for it, but I will not willingly just go out and do it on my own because I I just don't enjoy it. I do enjoy working out. I enjoy weight training, and I'll tell you what I enjoy about weight training. I enjoy the way it makes my body feel but I enjoy what, it'll, what it gives me the ability to do outside of the gym. It gives me the ability to maintain my house. It gives me the ability to wash my car. It gives me the ability to mow my grass in the horrific bank in my backyard with a push mower by myself. I like feeling that sense of independence when it comes to having to take care of my own things. So that's part of why I enjoy working out. But I also see that that strength training is what's going to help lead me to a far more independent lifestyle down the road of being able to get up and down out of the chair to go to the bathroom when I'm 85. Something simple like that. If you ask someone who's aging that isn't very active what their biggest fear is, it's falling. And why is their biggest fear of falling? Their biggest fear is falling because if they fall, more than likely they're going to break something. And the chances, the the percentage of people that die after experiencing a broken hip after a certain age is really high. It's a very high mortality rate of a broken hip. I'm not talking like sudden instant death. I'm not talking about heart attacks. I'm not talking about strokes. I'm talking about a broken hip. So over a certain age, if you fall and break your hip, your chances of dying is greater So therefore, people over a certain age have a fear of falling. And their other fear is that they're not going to get, not able to get back up and they're going to be by themselves and they're going to be stuck laying on the floor for God knows how long. We have a client that is a 911 dispatcher and she told me one day, she was like, Andrea, you would be shocked at the number of phone calls that we get every single day for people that have fallen and can't get back up. She goes, it's literally 20 to 30 phone calls a day for people that have fallen that can't get back up. She goes, and, and the sadder part is a lot of times there's somebody there with them who also can't help them up. So now you have two people that are totally helpless and they're relying on 911 to get there as soon as they possibly can. So not only can this weight training and what you do inside the gym benefit you outside of the gym, but also this weight training and what you do inside of the gym 
could potentially save your life or someone else's down the road. Let's back this thing up to, okay, so now we're doing, we're going to the gym. Let's start here. You would like to go to the gym. You have no idea what you're doing. No idea what this is supposed to look like. No idea where to start. You've seen these like 30 day challenges where they're like, hey, get your fitness, reach your fitness goals. All you have to do is this 30 day challenge to get you started and you are off and running. Um, that doesn't always work because you're taking people who have been doing nothing for a long time and then you're just throwing them into a fitness routine. People aren't ready for that. Your tissues aren't ready for that. Your heart might not be ready for that. So people, when, and when people say ease back into it, nobody knows what that means either. Hey, eat a healthier diet. What does that mean? Because most people don't know what food really is. There's so much miseducation and complication, and it doesn't help that the fitness industry best serves people who are already fit. So if you've been working out for a while, or you're a previous ex-athlete that has a lot of motivation and you just love sport and working out, yeah, it's easier for you to go to the gym. But for a person who's never been to a gym, who's never really worked out, who's never really played sports, when their doctor says, hey, listen, you need to start exercising, what are they going to do? Scared to death to walk into a gym because they don't know what they're doing. It wouldn't be any different than me walking into Harvard Law to start taking law classes. I'd be scared to death. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But here I am, standing in the front door of Harvard, ready to start. Just throw me in. I would fail miserably. I'm not prepared for that. I need to give me a warm up of some sort. I need, you know, a couple of years of help before I just jump into Harvard Law. Luckily, in the fitness industry, you don't need a couple of years of practice or studying to start working out. You do need to find someone, though, that's going to help you understand where you need to start along this journey. Because just starting from zero and going to 100 ends up in failure really fast because here's, here's what's going to happen. Either you're not going to see any results in the first two weeks and you're going to be like, this is stupid. I've been trying so hard. I've been starving myself and working out every day for two weeks and nothing's happened. This is dumb. I quit. Or you're going to start, you're going to go from zero to a hundred and then you're going to get injured and something's going to hurt. Because nothing in your body was ready for you to go from zero to 100. That's why finding a coach and finding a gym that knows where the heck you need to start for, that's best for you is super important. So here we are on this journey where we need to drop some body fat, feel better, lower our cholesterol, lower our blood pressure, drop our A1C, you name it. We need to be healthier. You have found a gym that you like. You've started. Let's say you've started either independently or you've started in classes, whatever the case may be. And you aren't seeing any results. Nothing is happening. I will tell you why. A lot of people start going to the gym and their belief is that because they're going to the gym, they can still eat whatever they want. 
that's not the case. Diet and exercise, I'm going to call it nutrition because diet is such a restricting word. Nutrition and exercise go hand in hand. You have to have both. Having exercise definitely helps. You have to move in order to burn calories. However, if you're still ingesting a billion calories, even though you're working, you're not going to see the results that you want to see. You cannot neglect it. And you cannot have the attitude of, well, because I do, we'll just say high-intensity exercise because that's what I've seen the most. Because I do, I do high-intensity exercise five to six days a week, it affords me the ability to eat all the sweets and drink all the alcohol and party like a rock star on the weekends. Doesn't work that way. And as you age, once you start getting into your 40s and beyond, you're actually going to see a point of diminishing returns. And that point of diminishing returns is an increase in body fat percentage. All of your blood markers, not only do they not get better, but they start getting worse. Your joints start to ache. You don't recover. Everything just feels like trash. But you're so addicted to this high intensity feeling that you, you think that everything you're doing is right, that there just has to be something either hormonally wrong with you, or there just has to be all of these major problems and you need blood work and the whole nine yards. Let's just go ahead and break this down. The reason why people get addicted to things, all of us have something that we're addicted to in some way. Something that we like that we don't want to get rid of. But things that become addicting to all of us are things that make us feel good. So we think. They hit those dopamine recept receptors and we're like, yes, this is amazing. And it can be for some people it's alcohol. For some people it's substance abuse. For some people it's gambling. For some people it's jumping out of airplanes. For some people it's rock climbing, um, high intensity exercise, long distance endurance. These are things that become addictive because of the way they make us feel. And usually the hormone that you can thank for that is adrenaline. An adrenaline dump gives you this high that's like, yes, I am on top of the world. I could bust through this wall if I wanted to. Let's do this thing. Whenever we jump out of an airplane, that sudden adrenaline rush, we, we start craving it again. So people start jumping out of airplanes more and then they start doing rock climbing more and then they start repelling and then they, you name it, cliff diving. Because that, that adrenaline rush that they get, it, it becomes a drug. The same thing happens with endurance athletes. And you can speak with Sherry about this from her triathlon training. Endurance athletes feel like if their heart rate isn't elevated at a consistently high level for at least 45 minutes, that they didn't have a good workout. So you'll see endurance athletes biking 60 miles a day, running, wanting to run 
umpteen miles a week, swimming, pelotons, you name it, spin classes. It's all about that adrenaline, high heart rate feeling. And that to them starts to be equated with that was a good workout. If you were to take that same endurance athlete to the gym and give them an hour worth of weightlifting, even though they can't move their arms or they might not be able to walk because their legs are exhausted, they're not going to feel like it was a good workout because they didn't get that same high heart rate that they did whenever they run, swim, bike, row. For the high intensity person, they equate a good workout to that elevated heart rate. The harder that they push and the higher they can get their heart rate and then lay on the floor smashed, rolling around with their legs flopping back and forth, they're kicking their shoes off because they're just so uncomfortable. Like that type of workout, I've experienced that even though I did that style of training for a number of years, that laying on the floor, wanting to take all your clothes off and kicking your legs because you're so uncomfortable only happened for me a couple of times. And it's really, I only let it happen those couple of times because I was in a competitive environment where I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And then my body was just, like rebelling. Like I even, I just, the feeling I can tell you is that I wanted out of my own skin. That's how uncomfortable I was with pushing that hard to that level. And that's what the rolling on the ground feeling is. Your heart's racing a million miles a minute. Every muscle in your body just is on fire and throbbing. Your clothes are bothering you. Your skin is annoying you everything it is an unbelievable uncomfortable feeling and that feeling for some people can become addicting and they they equate that to a good workout but everything that i just described to you is an addiction feeling and that doesn't mean that what you did was good for you Jumping out of an airplane multiple times over and over and over again is not good for your health. Being a long distance endurance athlete for years and years and years on end eventually takes its toll on your body and on your health. The same thing with high intensity training eventually takes its toll on your body in some way. It's an addiction. And the way that the body responds to that addiction is usually through inflammation. And when your body isn't getting the recovery that it needs, not only will you not lose weight or drop the body fat that you want to drop, you're also not going to recover. Your body's going to feel tired and sluggish. You're not going to sleep well. Your joints ache. Suddenly you're not able to move as much weight. You're not able to go as fast as you once were. The human body is really smart. It knows just enough of what it needs to keep you healthy and surviving. And beyond that, 
it'll start giving you warning signs that this is too much. Your body doesn't care how fun it is. What your body cares about is protecting you for the long term. So you could be having all of the fun in the world doing races and competitions and working out with your friends every day to see who's the best. But eventually your body's going to tell you that it's done. And so those people that are frustrated that they're not losing weight or they're not dropping body fat or their blood, their blood marker numbers aren't resulting, aren't showing their hard work. It's because you can have too much of a good thing. And if you're not aware of it, you just keep going until the damage is already done. And your body says, you can sit your ass down right now because you're either going to need surgery or medications or so on and so forth. There is such a thing as minimum effective dose. The amount of something that you need for you to be healthy, for you to live the life you want to live without going over the edge and it becoming an addictive feeling. That is a reality. That is such a thing. And it's a good thing that puts you into a healthy relationship with yourself. It puts you into a healthy relationship with working out, with food, with others, with your life outside of the gym, which I believe that everyone should absolutely have. When you sit down and take a good look at what you've chosen to do to take care of your health, Everything in your life should complement that. And if you've decided that you want that to be a very serious part of your life, you have to be willing to sacrifice something else in your life. For me, I know that my healthy lifestyle sacrifices my social life. I very much know that. So when I go out with my friends and they're all drinking heavily, and having a good time and partying. And they're like, hey, Warner, have a beer. And I'm like, I've already had one. And they're on like number seven. And they're like, well, have another. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way I feel the next day when I'm trying to be in a gym, especially one that doesn't have air conditioning. I don't like the way it makes me sleep at night. I don't like any of that. And I did that in my life. I had that part of my life. This part of my life is focused on my family, my career, the amazing people that I get to work with every day. It's focused on becoming a better version of who I need to be to be able to help others more. And for me, that doesn't involve drinking copious amounts of alcohol. It doesn't involve staying out late. It doesn't involve drama. It doesn't involve gossiping. It doesn't involve being insanely stressed out to the point that I just want to give up everything and move to the middle of nowhere, North Dakota. <laughs> this is a phase of my life where it's really time for me to focus on being a better Andrea so that when I'm 80, 
I know that I'd done the right things when I was in my 40s. A big part of that is understanding how the human body works as far as if I need to drop body fat, I know that the primary mover for dropping body fat is muscle. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to start going out and lifting everything as heavy as possible and join weightlifting competitions and so on and so forth. I'm talking what I just mentioned earlier, minimum effective dose, what I need to complement my life to still be able to do my job, to be the best version of myself that I can be so I can properly help others and set myself up for the best longevity that I can. So in order for me to put on muscle, I need to do controlled weightlifting. I need to focus on my right leg getting stronger. I need to focus on my right arm getting stronger. Even though I'm right-handed, my left side is very much my stronger side. Weird, huh? But it happens. I need to focus on controlling my movement to the point to where my joints feel more stable. I need to understand that certain things put me at a higher risk of injury than other things. For example, I haven't done handstand push-ups in forever, primarily because every time I did them, my neck would be messed up for a while and I'd have to go see Dr. Land to get it adjusted to get my flipping vertebrae pop back in. And I know that it's only a matter of time before I get lazy or too tired during that movement that I either give myself a stinger that I can't get rid of or do even further damage that it's not really worth the risk just to say that I did that. So instead I can do wall walks. I can do handstand pushups off the side of a, a box or a bench, or I can just do dumbbell Z press. Or what's even better, single arm landmine presses, single arm dumbbell presses, that gives me far more reward for me than doing handstand pushups, far more. It's safer, I feel better, I'm able to do my job the rest of the day without having a massive headache or worrying about going to see a chiropractor to get my head put back in place. Because of my style of training, I also understand that I need to feed muscle in order to drop body fat and or lose weight. In order to feed muscle, you have to have an adequate amount of protein. The daily recommended dose of protein is 70% of your body weight. That's the minimum. That's really barely enough to keep you functioning as a human being. Dr. Gabrielle Lyon just made an amazing post about this very subject and really the number for the, the number for protein intake really needs to be like 1.2 to 1.5 grams per pound that you weigh of protein, especially if you're trying to put on muscle to drop body fat, to increase your longevity muscle is it. I actually have two clients that I'm currently working with. Um, one of them I've been working with for a year, coming up on a year. 
and she's lost over 40 pounds in a year. The other woman I've been working with for a couple of months now, and she's down 12 pounds. And with neither one of them, have I really spoken about weight loss. Our focus has been getting them stronger and putting on muscle mass. Yes, they lift weights as women. That's a huge misconception. We'll talk about that. We have not done hardly any cardio. Every now and then I'll throw in some biking or some rowing in a conditioning piece of some sort that's not very long, maybe 12 minutes. But when they ask me what they can do outside of the gym, I tell them I need them to walk. I need you to get the goal to start over 5,000 steps a day. Once you start hitting 5,000 pretty regularly, we can bump it up to six or seven. The goal is 8,200 steps a day. It was thought that 10,000 steps was the magic number for heart disease and overall health, but it can be as little as 8,200 steps per day walking especially for women. And once again, Sherry and I will talk about this menopause thing. Women don't need harder things to lose weight. They actually need less things to lower their stress level. Walking is it. You can think that I'm crazy. You can laugh at me. You can tell me that's too easy, whatever. I don't care. Walk. It's as simple as walking. And no, it doesn't have to be at a blisteringly fast pace. However, it needs to be at a steady pace. Sauntering is different than walking. Shuffling is different than walking. And you'd be shocked at the number of clients that we've had walk in the door that on day number one, we look at their feet and they learn how to walk again, literally, because their feet have been so neglected over the years. Yes, your feet have muscles in them. And they need to be trained and properly taken care of Otherwise, it transfers up the chain and results in knee pain, which eventually leads to hip and back problems. And then you believe you can't walk. Hmm. And it all started at your feet. Shocking. Taking care of yourself is not an undaunting task where you're exhausted, you're just beating yourself into the ground, but this is the only way that you're going to lose weight. Or this is the only way you lower your stress level. That's what you tell yourself. That's not actually how it works. The gym should be the place that you go to put on muscle mass to improve your health and longevity down the road. The gym is not exactly therapy. Therapy is therapy. The gym can be your happy place. The gym can be your place where you don't think about things for a while. The gym can be your place where you go and socialize. The primary purpose of the gym should be you and your overall health. If you're looking for a place to socialize, there's community centers, there's bars, there's get togethers, there's other places that can give you that same social socialization feeling. There is no other place where you can go to put on muscle mass to improve your health 
and take care of you in the long term. So if you haven't thought about your why in a while, especially your why you go to the gym, why you choose the gym that you go to, why you choose the workouts that you do, give it a thought for a little bit. And if your ultimate goal is to be the best version of yourself as you age and to be able to play with your kids and eventually your grandkids, you need to consider how you're putting on muscle, how you're taking care of your joints, how you're managing your stress, how are you dropping body fat, how are you feeding yourself, what is your relationship with all of those things? Because they are very much a relationship. And they can be positive, they can be negative. You could be using one of those things as a coping mechanism to ignore something else that really needs to be paid attention to, which is why I said working out is not therapy. Because if you go to the gym to ignore all of the problems in your life, as soon as you walk out of the gym, those problems are still there. They still need to be dealt with in order for what you're doing in the gym to actually take effect and to matter. And I know a lot of people that do that. I know a lot of people that work as what they call therapy to deal with things. Something for me that I've had to really take on as I've gotten older is that my way of dealing with things needs to be something like going for a walk and journaling. Finding the person that I trust to sit and talk to about it, to help me walk, walk through this, to help me heal or go in the direction that I need to go into. As opposed to, I'm going to wash my car, mow my grass, clean my house, go to the gym, do my workout, clean the gym. Those aren't helping me deal with actual problems or heal from actual traumas. That's just covering up and ignoring the fact that I don't want to face those problems. And I didn't want to deal with them. And I have. which has made my life so much easier, so much better, sleep so much better at night, have better relationships with family, friends, coworkers, clients. It's helped me to communicate better. All of this goes back to helping me to understand how to lose body fat, recover better, sleep at night, improve my longevity down the road. Recovery comes from sleep. Muscle gain, body fat loss, comes from working out, good nutrition, and sleep. Sleeping seven plus hours a night. It's a big deal. Sleep, diet, stress are a big part of our capacity that we have every single day. And it's actually a big part of the things that we can control. So if you're walking around ignoring all of those things 
and using the gym as your coping mechanism or using your style of working out as your coping mechanism and ignoring the others, you're walking on really thin ice. And for us, our big thing that we talk with everybody about is meeting them where they're at starting to start their workout journey. And not even that, even the people that have been working out with us for years, meeting them where they currently are helps us to communicate with them better and helps us to help them better. For example, I had a woman come in who's absolutely amazing. And when she walked in the door, she was like, wow, this is really intimidating. I was like, it's okay. It's like, I, I completely understand. Tell me why. And we'll go from here. So she told me why. She told me what she needed. She told me where she previously was in her life. She told me the things that have happened to her along the way. She says, okay, I'm ready. I think I'm, I'm ready for this new weight loss journey. And I said, well, this is going to look totally different than what you're used to. Everybody's used to walking into a, any kind of gym and just jumping in. And, hey, we're going to do these classes and I'm going to get my ass kicked. And that's not what starting a fitness journey and a weight loss journey I'd like to call it a health journey. Starting your health journey shouldn't start like that. I don't care what your previous athletic background is. If you haven't done anything in six months, much less five years, you aren't just starting out and you're not just jumping in head first. Starting where you are means let's talk about your diet right now, your nutrition right now. Awesome. Can you do me a favor and drink a little bit more water this coming week? And we'll go from there. Water intake gets better. Fantastic. Let's talk about breakfast. Tell me about your breakfast. Oh, you hate breakfast. Can't eat breakfast. Awesome. Let's find something that you like. And let's start eating a little bit of breakfast. Ideally, it's a high protein breakfast. We'd like to ideally see some sort of eggs would be awesome. Um, chicken sausage, there's different brands that we recommend. Yogurts, some sort of protein that's not a protein shake, ideally, to start your day. That's starting people where they are. Not saying, hey, eliminate all of that crap, drink more water, eat 1,800 calories a day, good luck. Here's a bunch of numbers, try to meet those numbers. And in the meantime, we're going to start you off on this workout today. We're going to run 500 meters. We're going to do 12 back squats and 13 burpees. Day one. Ready? Go. First of all, your chances of that person coming back are pretty much slim to none. Next of all, if they do come back, they're going to be so incredibly sore that it's going to take all of the courage that they have to walk back in the door because they haven't been able to stand for three days. And they're like, oh God, I got to go back to that place again. And they're just going to beat me into the ground again. 
a month from now, maybe if you're lucky, three months, that person comes in and it's been so much on them that their shoulders are done. Their hip hurts and they can't sleep at night. Like, this is not for me. That's failing to meet people where they are. Believing that your fitness journey and that your health journey is a beatdown is failing to understand what a health and fitness journey is. This is why you're not losing the weight you want to lose. This is why you're not dropping the body fat you want to drop. This is why your joints ache. This is why you can't sleep at night. This is why you're not managing your stress well. The relationship that you have and the views that you have of what working out is, is skewed. And it's not your fault. It's totally not your fault. The fitness industry has done a horrible job of educating people on health, wellness, fitness. It's it sold you beatdowns. It sold you heavy weightlifting. It sold you classes. It didn't sell you a why. It didn't sell you goals. It didn't sell you education. It didn't sell you mentorship. It didn't sell you on what any of this really is and what it really does. So while your understanding of what health and fitness is might be skewed, it's not your fault. Fitness industry, social media, social media is so good at selling badassery. Hey, let's take the person who has the most adversity Let's film them doing something really amazing and say, hey, anybody can do this. Like the 92-year-old woman that can do a whole bunch of push-ups on a BOSU ball and jump over benches. And she even, I, she catches her foot and falls at one point in the video um, and then gets up and laughs and keeps on going. You too could be this way. Listen, I don't know of a whole lot of 92-year-olds that can do any of that. And the fact that she can, it's because she was a gymnast starting at like age five and she was physically active her entire life. So they took the anomaly of the 92 year olds, videotaped it. I was like, hey, you too can do this. Probably not. It's a show like a lot of social media is. It's a show. It just shows you the best. The best of the best. You too could be doing heavy weightlifting and snatching well over your body weight if you follow this amazing 12-week program. You, too, could be training with the fittest people in the whole wide world. Just follow our program. It's not that easy. It doesn't work that way. And I'll tell you this. I am less impressed by people lifting heavy. I am more impressed 
with people doing single arm, single leg things heavy. I am more impressed by good technique that can be controlled up and down. Show me that you can do those things moderately heavy, and then I'll be impressed. But watching somebody heavy back squat or heavy deadlift or any of that, heavy Olympic lifting, like in the Olympics, actual sport itself, mad respect. Because that takes a ridiculous amount of work. But I'm not talking about the top level athletes in sports. I'm talking about the person who has a nine to five job and a family at home who's doing squat routines but can't do a, a weighted lunge, who brags about how strong they are compared to other people when they squat and deadlift but they can't do a step up on a box. They can't do a single leg hip hinge without collapsing to the floor. They can't stand on one foot without falling over. That same person that heavy front squats or heavy squat cleans gets buried under a set of 35 pound dumbbells. Strength and health go hand in hand. But if you're not seeing the bigger picture and all you see is one, one pathway, you're missing out on this huge opportunity to be better in multiple areas and to really bulletproof, bulletproof yourself for longevity down the road. All it takes is listening to people that are in the field that this is their career. They see it. They're in the industry. They see where it's going. They see the fact that since 2020, everybody's stress levels have been through the roof. Obesity, depression, anxiety, all-time highs. Cancer, heart disease, all-time highs. And we're blaming everything except for what's really happening. And Big Pharma's having a flipping heyday with this. Yeah. Load them up on some pills. We got a pill for that. We got a shot for that. Listen, you don't need a 30-day challenge to start working out. You don't need a shot to lose weight. You don't need a pill to boost your metabolism. You don't need magic supplements to take care of your joint pain when you don't move. If you have a sedentary lifestyle and somebody has sold you on the fact that you need better collagen protein to help your joints, you have been lied to. You have been sold a lie. What would help your joint pain if you're sedentary is movement. And movement that's right for you. We go back to that whole meeting you where you're at. Movement. So if since 2020, everybody's stress levels through the roof and Big Pharma has found medical answers, here's something that I want you guys to think about. Nothing, nothing you take medically doesn't have a side effect. They all do. If you start taking something that your body naturally produces and you come off of it, what happens next?
a good question. Ask your doctor. So before you just jump in and start putting things in your body, because they promise you it will do X, Y, and Z, you need to really consider what the long-term effects of that thing are. If you start taking a weight loss pill, what does it look like when you come off of it? What happens? Because those things are things that you should not take for your entire life. What's next after that? You go to do a 30-day challenge of whatever, what happens after that? What's the plan? What's next? You have to be able to see into the future in order to best plan what you're doing right now. So if I start my weight training journey, what's next for me is that I consistently evolve and pay attention to what's happening within my own industry so that I can better prepare myself for what's coming down the road for me and for my clients and for our business. Being responsible for helping people with their health is not always fun in games. Yes, working out should be enjoyable. Yes, we should all have fun doing it. But when you're responsible for people's health and wellness, it's a very serious thing. It's a huge responsibility. It's not any different than someone walking into the hospital trusting that the doctors and nurses there are going to help save your life. It's a huge responsibility and the gym and the coach should very much have that same seriousness when it comes to people that walk in their door and we very much do at Ferrum. We understand that the people that have come to us have chosen us because they need help with something very serious in their life, whether it's getting out of pain, getting back to an active lifestyle, helping them to lower their blood work markers helping them to be the most badass that they can be in their 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. Every person that walks through our door has a very serious goal that we take seriously and we do our best to set ourselves up from an educational point of view to get people to that point. We're not a playground. We're a very serious longevity gym. So when people ask us questions like, hey, why am I not losing weight? Why am I not recovering? We want to sit down with them and look at the bigger picture of what's happening in their life. We're not going to say, oh, well, you just need more cardio. That's a crap answer. Oh, well, you just need to do blah, 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 blah. Without knowing what exactly it is they have going on in their life, that's just a guess. And you just became a very irresponsible coach. And from a client point of view, if someone gives you an answer like that, you should view it as, well, you don't take me seriously. Because you didn't even ask, and this goes for even when you go to the doctor. If you tell your doctor these things and they don't ask you about exercise, diet, sleep, if they immediately go to writing you prescriptions, you need to leave. You need to find a new doctor. 
doctors that just readily write prescriptions don't have your best health and wellness in mind. I just went and saw, um, speaking of health and wellness, something that I wholeheartedly believe is that everyone should get blood work done every year. Blood work is a huge, huge indicator of where you are in your health and wellness. It can also help prevent some serious things. It saved my dad's life in 2020 when he went and got his blood work done and his PSA levels were up and he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. They caught it at the very beginning stages. He was able to have surgery. He's now cancer free. And at the time that he was diagnosed, he was 63 years old. That's pretty darn young for being diagnosed with prostate cancer. I also believe, I believe in wellness checks in every way, shape and form, just because they can be so preventative down the road. Um, I went and saw my cardiologist. Yes, I have a cardiologist um, about a month ago. And I overheard a conversation while I was in the hallway of her telling someone that the best, the best way to prevent and help their, that person's current situation was diet and exercise. And she refused to write that person a prescription. And that person was like, well, there isn't a medication that I can take for this. And she said, no, what you have going on, the best answer for answer for it is nutrition and exercise. And I wanted to flip and hug Dr. Lou right there. That is the type of doctor that everybody needs to go to. There's very little in this world that diet, exercise, sunlight, and hydration, and just good, healthy stress management won't cure. And that includes fat loss and recovery. So the next time you sit down and you take a good look at what's really going on with your life, if you're serious about making changes and you're serious about your health and you put your ego in your back pocket and get rid of it and you ask yourself, what do I really need? What does my body really need in order to be the best that I can be? It, you'll be amazed at how clear your decision, your decision-making process becomes. I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for taking the time to listen. See you at the gym. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ferrum Athletic Company podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review. Share it with your family and friends. Share it on your social media platforms. Our mission is to build better humans through the education of health and movement. If this resonates with you, please shoot us an email at forged at ferrumathletico.com. Follow us on social media, Facebook or Instagram at ferrumathletico. And we will see you all soon. Thank you for helping us to build better humans.